everybody. Welcome back into Mining Stock Daily. We have a corporate update to kick things off here this morning on the podcast. Happy to welcome in Perpetua Resources. Perpetua Resources trades on the NASDAQ with PPTA and also on the TSX with the same symbol, PPTA. Happy to welcome in both the CEO of the company, Miss Laurel Sayer, and the Vice President of External Affairs, Miss McKinsey Lyon. Hi, ladies. How you doing? Great. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. Spring <laughs> has sprung. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you back on. It has been a while. Uh, we are going to just get a real quick update. We'll start with with you, Laurel, about the latest, uh, you know, the latest news items and and what is the update from the Stibnite project there in Idaho. What are some things throughout this development phase of the project? Have you been able to check off your list and or working towards to check off? Great. Well, you know. First, I, I think that it's important to remind people why Perpetua is so unique, and that is that we've designed the Stibnite Gold Project that will restore an abandoned mining site, and that it will play a key role in reestablishing the domestic um, antimony production and protecting America's energy and defense future. So, quite simply, our investment thesis has never been stronger. First and foremost, We plan to redevelop one of the largest, lowest cost, long life gold projects in the US. And given our low cost, the Stibnite Gold Project has great economics with a 15 year reserve life and less than the three year payback period. And we have a valuable byproduct in antimony, which means Perpetua could help reestablish primary production in the US and supply more than 35% of the country's demand for antimony. So our project, again, is located in one of the best mining jurisdictions in the world, and we have strong community support. We are unique. Um, it's, it's a unique American opportunity to use responsible modern mining to finally restore an abandoned mining site, but also it brings hundreds of jobs to a rural community and reshore the production of critical minerals and metals our nation needs for a greener stronger future. And so our latest news is that um, over the last decade, we've been diligently and thoughtfully advancing our study work and progressing through the, the mining project. And, uh, and we, as everyone probably remembers, but to remind you, in August of last year, the Forest Service released their draft environmental impact statement. We had a 75-day comment period. There were 10,000 letters received, 85 of those letters were positive, and now the Forest Service is reviewing the comments, refining and improving the project before they present a final EIS um, and draft record near the end of this year. So our liquidity, um, just highlight that we, of course, like you mentioned, we were approved to list on NASDAQ, and then our liquidity has more than doubled. We expect these milestones to continue paying dividends well into the future by giving us greater access to capital. So this week, we signed a collaboration agreement with U.S. Antimony to explore the potential for processing our antimony concentrate at their processing facilities. Currently, there are no mine sources of antimony in the United States. And our project, along with U.S. Antimony's domestic processing capabilities, presents an opportunity to reestablish 
the American supply chain of this critical mineral and commodity. We're pursuing this option as a potential path to keep antimony within the U.S. supply chain. Perpetua, we can play a very major key role in reestablishing domestic antimony production and protecting America's energy and defense future. So yesterday, uh, we had a webinar that uh, specifically spoke to this um, antimony, and McKinsey helped create that and, and work with that, and it, it was a good great success. Uh, we, I do want to spend some time ask, you know, c- talking in depth about this, this recent development with the antimony. Uh, but Laura, before we get there, a, a couple of things uh, that just kind of caught my attention. I was wondering just really what kind of conversations are you having with the federal administration or have you heard from federal administration? You mentioned the forestry department, your EIS is in the hands of that uh, department right now. Uh, we have seen, I, I don't know if you can say, you know, the administration saying one thing on one side of, 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 of Washington, but then another department saying something different from throughout the mining industry and the forestry department. I mean, we've talked about it here on the podcast, Secretary Granholm seems very enthusiastic from the Department of Energy about finding ways to develop the United States' own source of these materials. But on the flip side of that, we have seen the Forestry Department come in and and put a pause on some other projects here in the U.S. based on the prior administrations being approved. I'm just kind of wondering, how do you play that game of chess here? Well, it, and that's a, that's a great question, Trevor. Um, it, is, it is challenging to permit in the, um, in the U.S. But what is so unique about our project is that we have this restoration component. We're already going into an abandoned uh, mining jurisdiction that needs to be repaired. And because of the great economics of our project, we are able to go in and not just reclaim it, but restore it back to the way very similar it was uh, over 100 years ago. So that, that, I think, is a, a strong component of our project that gets attention within the administration. And the fact that we have antimony, a critical mineral, and we could supply 35% of the U.S. demand for that. So are there, is it challenging? Yes, it is. But I think because our project is so unique that we can, we are able to tell our story and get the attention of those. And also the NEPA process, as we have progressed through the NEPA process, we're improving our project. That's what the NEPA process is there for. And working with our agencies and the Forest Service to help do that and to improve the product so, project. So it's one that they can, they can be proud of and work with and support. Uh, through the um, the EIS and, and some of the feedback that you did receive, uh, where were some things that uh, from what you from what you read that uh, the company has continued to say uh, build upon? Like, were some other opportunities that you found through some of that? Well, just to, to name a couple of them, one of them was that they wanted us to reduce the size of the footprint. They have always been anxious about that and. And we are able to, we've been working with the Forest Service to, as we refine this project, to find ways that we can reduce the footprint. Um, another one, which is a bit a concern too, is water temperature. 
and how do we help uh, keep reduce water temperature so that it is good habitat for fish. And we have found ways to do that as we've been refining this project. Um, and those are just a couple of the things that we've been working on. Uh, there's been a lot of focus on the antimony portion of this project. Uh, any sort of developments on the precious metal and gold, si on gold side of, of Stibnite? So, Mackenzie, do you want to take that and talk about a little bit about our efforts yesterday and continuing on? You know, sure. And, you know, Travis, I think to your question, while there is a lot of focus on antimony, you know, we still know that the, the major economic driver behind the project is the gold side. Um, and, you know, clearly that um, has been a major focus of the project from the financial side. However, from the cultural and value need um, from the administration for the project, we really see antimony as the key, particularly in its role that it plays as this much needed critical mineral that does not have a domestic supply here in the United States. Okay. Uh, so I want on following back on this antimony story in the recent news that you signed that collaboration agreement with U.S. Antimony to start uh, testing the possibility of processing antimony at their facilities. Can you tell us uh, about that process? What what it looks like? It, it, and where is their facilities located? So, great question. So you're right. So this week we signed an agreement with U.S. Antimony to explore the potential of processing our antimony concentrate in their facilities. They are unique in that they have the only two North American processing facilities for antimony. So for us, in wanting to, to meet the value of keeping antimony within a U.S. domestic supply chain, looking at the opportunities presented by U.S. Antimony are really important. Right now, they have processing facilities in either Montana or Mexico. So that's where our concentrate will go to be tested initially. Okay. And what does that process look like? Uh, you know, I, I know you're not a metallurgist, but I wonder if you can no. help break it down. <laughs> We'd love to get a metallurgist on here to, someday to give us that technical Well, breakdown. bring ours with us next time, I promise. Okay. <laughs> sounds, sounds good. But, you know, what? so how, tell us about this pro processing. Like, what's the time frame look like? When do you expect to see the first results? You know, since this deal is is pretty fresh, uh, we're we will be in conversations in the next couple of weeks with the U.S. antimony team to spell out the specifics. But essentially, we will be shipping uh, samples of our concentrate to their to their facilities and evaluating the recovery and the technology that they've been able to adapt, both on the um, the roasting and smelting side of antimony processing. What do the economics right now of antimony look like? So that's a good question, you know, and I, as we've mentioned, um, the value of the project and the driver behind the project is very much gold. However, if you look at our feasibility study that we published uh, just a few months ago, you'll note that on the byline credit um, of the operational costs, we do show that antimony priced in that feasibility study at, at $3.50 per pound shows our gold operating costs because of the antimony are reduced by about $100 an ounce in the first four years, and then $70 an ounce over the 15-year life of mine. So it does help. Um, I would also note, however, that since then, antimony prices um, have climbed. And over the last uh, six months to a year, we've mm -hmm. seen antimony prices nearly double. Um, in part because the world is paying attention to critical minerals. And we know 
um, that a greener or a transition to a green economy is going to be mineral intensive. So when we look at new products coming online, like the Ambry liquid metal battery that requires antimony, this is a battery that is seen as potentially essential for uh, a green grid because it stores large capacity in a large capacity format and it requires antimony. Uh, so the current demand isn't taking this into consideration yet, um, but we do see that there could be some real increased potential. And today, Halligarten and company did release um, a report on our project where they talk about some of this future potential demand for antimony as well and what that might do to prices. Yeah, I was able to kind of skim through this report a little bit uh, after you sent it to me. And I, I did highlight one quick snippet, actually, a paragraph, if, if you don't mind me reading it off, in specifically about the antimony. Uh, they wrote, the classic dilemma with the antimony mining is that it's the case of follow the vein, which does not fit in the traditional model of drilling to try and firm up a resource. Drill six inches over in one direction and come up with nothing, and six inches in another direction, one intercepts 40%. Antimony. It is telling that Twinkling Star, the famed Chinese antimony mine, was discovered in the 1500s and has been steadily producing since and has made up to 40% of the global production at some moments in its existence. Uh, talking about that supply, if, 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 if Perpetua is able to provide more antimony to the market, how disruptive is it for that material? Have you calculated that in and would it have an effect on the price of antimony? No, that's an interesting question. And the antimony market is so controlled at this point by China and their ability to either hold back or flood the market that it is difficult to really project what might happen specifically. However, it is important to note that this is you know, one of the largest resources of antimony outside Chinese, Russian, and Russian um, ownership. And so it does allow us to have a little bit more control over what's happening in the overall market. We've had certain conversations, actually not on this show. I was, I was on somebody else's podcast yesterday and we were having this conversation about this rotation from globalization into more mm -hmm. of a nationalism that we're seeing, not just in the U.S., but you know, basically throughout the world. And in this case, I mean, it's, it does seem like as that continues, that as that continues to transition and grain effort, I mean, it, it is a serious, it continues to be a serious uh, reason to be bullish on Perpetua and the Stibnite project. I guess that's a question. Yeah, <laughs> a question. No, we, yeah we would say yes. <laughs> you know, and, and Trevor, I think it goes back a little bit to also, and this may seem very American-ish, but, you know, America, we have a great brain power here and a great spirit of innovation and work ethic. And we start putting all of those things together to help solve the world's biggest problems. Um, and this lack of minerals and metals that we have in the U.S., we have them here in the U.S. We could solve these problems here. We could we are the ones that can find the solution to this supply chain and be domestically independent. Yeah. I find it so interesting that supply chain issues are not new, right? right? So the Stibnite mining uh, district ex itself was created, you know, right on the eve of World War II when our country was cut off 
from antimony and tungsten that we needed, but we supplied then from China. You know, back in the 1930s and 40s, we had this problem. And it's interesting now, whether it's, you know, pandemics or, you know, shipping catastrophes or the geopolitical climate, supply chain issues are not going away. It's just that we are paying more attention to them now. And it's more on the general conscience um, of of the country after what we've experienced over the last year. There's so many moving dynamics going on right now mm-hmm. that you can point to and and be speculative about what will happen. But uh, it certainly seems like a good case for Perpetua and Stim Night. Uh, let's leave it at there. I, I, we look forward to catching up with you later uh, here this spring as more news from the Stim Night project continues to hit the tape. Uh, we want to thank you, Mackenzie Lyon and Miss Laurel Sayer, for joining us for that update and I look forward to the next time. Thank you, Pepper. That's Perpetua Resources. Again, they trade on the NASDAQ and the TSX with the symbol PPTA. The information presented should not be considered investment advice. Mining Stock Daily and its affiliates are not responsible for any loss arising from any investment decision in connection with the material presented herein. Please do your own research or speak with a licensed financial representative before making any investment decision.